Assalamu alaikum brothers and sisters. I hope everyone is doing well, inshallah. And uh, welcome to another episode of the podcast on the tafsir of Dua Kumail. So in the first two, pod, uh, first two episodes, I should say, mainly what we were discussing was firstly, why is it that we even do dua? Why is it that we recite these different duas that have been narrated for us? And number two was the background of Dua Kumil in particular and how it came to be. Um, as, as for why we recite these duas, we mentioned that there are four different reasons that people will normally uh, bring up, uh, four different reasons that people will normally mention uh, for the reasons of reciting dua. And we said that there's a fifth one, which is building a connection with God. And that's really the main reason why um, we have these du'as from our imams. And then along those lines, we also talked about the history of Du'a Kumail and uh, what what happened that Du'a Kumail turned into this du'a that we know of today. And we went through that hadith about how Kumail, he went to the first imam and he learned this du'a from uh, the first imam. So inshallah for today, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm, we're actually going to start uh, going through the phrases of the du'a itself. Um, and the du'a starts out very beautifully. It starts out with Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim and afterwards a, a salawat that comes afterwards. These two are really um, part of the adab, part of the manners of uh, doing any du'a. We have hadith that when someone wants to call out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, of course you start everything with God's name, which is why you find Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim in there. But reciting salawat on the Prophet and his family is one of those um, manners that we have been encouraged to do before any dua that we uh, recite. And so that's why you find this salawat at the beginning uh, of the dua. Now there is a longer discussion as to why salawat is one of those manners and one of those adab, but we're going to leave that for now because I want to jump straight into uh, the dua itself and start going based off of the, the phrases that we have in there. All right, so starting out, it says, Allahumma inni as'aluka birahmatika allati wasa'at kulla shay. Very beautiful. It says, Oh Allah, I ask you by the right of your mercy, allati wasa'at kulla shay, that has covered everything. Now, we know from this phrase that we just went through, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, and of course, this is a phrase that is mentioned over and over in the Quran, right? 114 times in the Quran. Um, each time Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, of course there's a question in our mind as to what is this mercy he's talking about and what is the difference between this Rahman and Rahim. Here in the dua, he's saying that we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by the right of his mercy that has covered everything. So what is this mercy that's covered everything? So when you delve a little bit deeper into Islamic literature, you find that the mercy of God is of two types. There's the mercy that covers everybody and everything, right? It uh, basically God allocates that mercy and shows that mercy and manifests that mercy to anybody, even if they're bad, even if they're evil individuals. Still, there's a portion of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that, um, that that individual or being or entity is blessed with, right? So, for example, their existence, the fact that they exist, that's a means of of the mercy of God that, that God has manifested for that individual. Even if they're, they're a bad person, right? They still exist, which still means that God's mercy is covering them. Or you will find sometimes even in the lives of good, bad people, doesn't matter, there are some blessings that will cover them both, 
right? Maybe parents, for example, maybe the food that they eat, right? Maybe the electricity that they have. All these types of, you know, basic fundamental blessings that we have from God, right? The, the you know, the different organs in their body, right? The, their different limbs. These are things that good people and bad people pretty much they all have um, to, a, to a similar extent usually. This is the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that covers everything. Everywhere you look, there is a manifestation of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whether it's a good person or a bad person, that doesn't really matter. This is why we are calling out and we're asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by the right of the mercy that covers everything. This is what's meant by it. And when you look at uh, the phrase Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, the phrase that's mentioned over and over in the verses of the Quran, what you find is a differentiation between Ar-Rahman and Ar-Rahim. And when you look into the tafasir and the literature that we have, you find that this is exactly the differentiation that's being made, the difference that that, that is being placed between the word Ar-Rahman and the word Ar-Rahim. So uh, when we go back to tafasir, tafasir tell us that this Ar-Rahman, this attribute of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to the mercy of His that covers all beings, right? It's kind of like the initial mercy that God shows to everybody before technically testing them. Now, that's not 100% accurate, but it, it's simpler to think of it that way. And then Ar-Rahim is kind of kind of like a second level of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what the scholars talk about here is that they say that Ar-Rahim, that second level of mercy, that, uh, you know, that basically um, extra level of mercy is shown to somebody when they take the first level of mercy of God, right? Those initial blessings and um, they use them in the right way, right? Or in other words, they give thanks to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the initial mercy and those for those initial blessings, which means they use them in the right way. And if you do that, and if someone does that, then the specific mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the more special mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then manifests itself for this individual. So the, God has basically a general level of mercy that applies to everyone. And then he has a specific uh, type of mercy that applies to those who take advantage properly of the initial mercy that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has provided to them. So in other words, if God gives me food or electricity or water or whatever organs in my body or all these blessings that I have, if I take these and I really make the proper use of them, which basically means I live a God-centered life, a God-centric life, right? And I use all these blessings that God has given to me in the right way, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bless me with more blessings. And this is really uh, a, basically that general principle that we have uh, in the um, in the verses of the Quran that says that if you guys thank me for the blessings that I have given to you, then I will add more to you. How do you thank God for his blessings? You take the blessings that he has given to you and then basically you will... Um, take advantage of them and you will use them in the proper manner. That's our way 
of thanking God for the blessings that he has given to us. So that's the differentiation between Ar-Rahman and Ar-Rahim. All right, so now we understand the first line of the dua. I'm going to move on a little bit quicker. Second line says, Oh Allah, we ask you by your strength and the strength of yours that you have basically mastered everyone. Okay. As we go through these different lines, you'll start to see a little bit of a pattern here in the beginning of the dua. That pattern is that instead of asking God in a very plain and dry and simple way for different things, we are technically going in a very elaborate manner. The dua is going through all these different attributes of God. It's basically going through every single beautiful attribute of God and we ask God uh, by the right of each of these attributes, right? And by the way, we haven't even gotten to what it is that we're asking of God, right? We'll have to wait for that because that's going to come um, basically, you know, further down. But you see that there's a pattern here. We're going through these beautiful attributes, these good attributes, right? These, as they call them in, um, you know, in more scholarly circles, they call them asifot, asubutiyah, these different attributes that God has. Now, the beautiful thing about this dua is that it's actually implementing another one of the manners of reciting dua. One of the manners of reciting dua, and when I say reciting dua, it covers all type of supplication. Basically, anytime you want to ask God for something, one of the adab, one of the manners uh, when someone wants to ask God for things is to basically praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala before he actually asks for things, right? So what this is referred to in the Arabic terminology as al-thana, right? Thana. So this thana means to praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to bring up his different good attributes. We have hadith that when someone wants to do dua, they are supposed to do thana of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first. Basically, they're supposed to praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first, right? And this is something you find that's very common at the at the beginning of the khutbas of like the first imam uh, in Nahj al-Balaghah, you will constantly find a couple of lines that are thana. They're praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, his attributes, the fact that he's always been there, all those types of things are always mentioned at the beginning of their khutbas as well. Why is it, why would Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put us through this idea that if you're going to ask me for something that you are supposed to praise me first? Because through this dua, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to grow spiritually. And one of the ways that we grow is by praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yes, if you don't praise him, can he still just grant your request? Absolutely, right? But the reason why he has made it conditional that if you want me, if, the, if you want there to be a better chance of me responding to your dua and your request, then you should praise me first, is because out of this, God is trying to get this spiritual growth for you. And the way you grow spiritually is by praising Him. And the basically the natural consequence of praising Him is humbling yourself. Because then you understand how small and insignificant you are in the presence of of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is why you find this. Now, ha keeping that in mind, now we're going to start going through these lines, the rest of these lines, and you'll see this pattern that is building, right? So first form of praising God, we said that he has this mercy, right? That has covered everything. Then we said, Oh 
Oh Allah, we ask you by your strength. So he's strong now. We're praising him again. This strength of yours that everything has been humbled by. Everything else is low compared to this strength of yours. Moving on. And by your invincibility that has overwhelmed everything. Again, you are praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we ask you by the right of your might, the might that you have that nothing else can resist, right? Everything else is going to give in when it comes to your might. And we ask you by your tremendousness that has filled everything. And we ask you by your force, your authority, that has basically, it's above everything. All right, so you see all these different phrases, all these different attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being brought up in this dua. I want to take a moment to pause a little bit on this particular phrase that we just went through, and explain it just a little bit more so that we can have a better understanding of it. So, sultan basically means authority, right? And we're very used to this word it's a word that we would have you know we use it in farsi and arabic and even in urdu and we even refer to the person who has a lot of authority with the word sultan right um but what what power and force is this that imam ali is talking about here in this dua because normally when we look at the world around us um imam ali on one hand is saying that you know your power and strength and authority is covering everything it's encompassing everything on the other hand, we look around in the world today, we find a bunch of people doing, you know, whatever they want to do. Where does this authority of God and the strength of God uh, really show itself? So in order to understand this better, we would have to break this down, right? To see where the, the basically the hands of God are at work, so to speak. So when we talk about the creatures that we have in this world, we know that some of them have their free will and some of them don't have their free will. Um, for those of them who do not have free will, um, like plants, trees, uh, all, you know, basically all of the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala outside of human beings and jinn, um, well, they don't have free will. So basically, we believe that whatever it is that they're doing um, in, a, in their own natural process, Whatever they're doing is a manifestation of them acting upon the commands of God. So that's basically what we believe about them. And this is what you also find in various verses of the Quran. For us, these natural phenomena doing their thing, so to speak, and just acting the way we are used to them acting is just something that's become ordinary. We're just used to it, right? So if we plant a seed and the seed grows, we just assume that that's what the seed is supposed to do. That's how a plant is supposed to grow. If a flower like blossoms, right? We just assume that's the way it's supposed to happen. But when we go to the verses of the Quran, we find that no, the fact that this plant acts in this way, this flower acts in this way, and many other natural phenomena act in the way that they act in, we find that these are actually manifestations of this line of Dua Kumail. They are all manifestations of the authority and the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? So let's take a look at some of these verses. We'll have a better understanding of this, right? 
So this is Surah An-Nahl verse 13. It says, وَمَا ذَرَأَ لَكُمْ فِي الْأَرْضِ مُخْتَلِفًا أَلْوَانُهُ إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَآيَةً لِقَوْمٍ يَذَّكَّرُونَ Basically, it's reminding us that we uh, take these seeds, we plant these seeds, and then there are different colors that come out of these seeds, out of these seeds basically. Right? Again, this is just natural phenomenon. We're used to it. We might plant a flower that normally turns red. We might plant plant a rose and it turns red when it you know when it grows. And for us it's normal. And we might plant another seed and it might turn into a tree with no flowers. And all of these issues are all of these all of this natural phenomena, we're used to it. So it seems very ordinary to us. But here the Quran is saying that no, this is the authority and the might and the strength of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala manifesting itself, right? Because these are creatures that don't have free will. When they act in the natural manner that they are supposed to act, they are basically acting upon the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then verse 14 actually points out one of the most uh, beautiful ones, the ones that, that I, you know, it's one of my favorite ones actually. It says, and now it's speaking about water, right? The blessing of water. And he is the one who has taken the, the water of the sea or the ocean and he has put it at your disposal, right? In other words, it has commanded the water to be at your disposal, to be manageable uh, for you, right? We take water and we use it for different things. And this is what the verse uh, is pointing out here. You, we have made the water in such a way that in it grows this very uh, tasty meat, right? Like fish and whatever seafood that we can have um, from the water. And from this ocean or the sea, you take jewels, you take things, uh, jewelry basically that you wear, ornaments that you wear. And you also see these ships running through the sea, right? Or through the ocean or any other body of water, basically. So what the verse is reminding us of is that this water, and of course for a ship or a boat to be able to move in the water, right? There has to be this uh, feature that water has that even when you place certain heavy things on it, that thing will float, right? Like what you see with cruises today, huge cruises floating over water and just moving from one country and one a continent to another. The Quran here is reminding us that this is the Sultan and the authority of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That you, this, these are some of his blessings. It's not like water is just like that. No, this is a blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That water has a feature like that, that you can use it to move things around and, you know, do the different things that you want to do, right? All of these are the Sultan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is when it comes to basically creatures that don't have the free will um, that, that we have, right? When I say we, mainly referring to human beings and, and, and jinn. As it refers to, you know, human beings and jinn, we have free will. And we know that that free will was given to us by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So indirectly, God has authority over the things that we do. But his full authority is not supposed to be manifest in this world. His direct authority is it's not supposed to be manifest in this world. So what you will find a lot of times is that in this world, human beings, of course, they'll do whatever they want to do. Um, but when you look at the verses of the Quran that speak about the day of judgment, that's where God's authority, again, will manifest itself and will show itself 
to the fullest degree. So when you look at those verses, one of the things that you find, the verses that describe the Day of Judgment, one of the things that you find is that these verses, they speak of that day uh, being a day where God's authority is clearly manifest, right? And if there was any doubt in anybody's mind that uh, really God was the one who was running the show, so to speak, on that day, no one is going to have that doubt anymore, right? No one is going to have that thought anymore, right? So take a look at these verses. It says, Yamahum barazun." On that day, when they come, they stand in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. لا يخفى على الله منهم شيء. Nothing of theirs is hidden from God, right? And we know it's still not hidden from God in this world as well. But the verses are saying that that is completely clear and manifest to people on that day. And then the Quran asks, لمن الملك اليوم? Who has authority on this day? Who has power? Who has strength on this day? And there's only one response: لله الواحد القهار. There's only one master on this day. It's the one God who masters everything, right? And then other verses of the Quran, when you look at them, you also see this these signs of pure authority, right? Pure, basically, strength. Nobody having any option uh, because God is basically directly implementing his authority on that day, right? So another uh, set of verses that are describing that day, they say, On that day, as they are being brought into that area where everybody gathers, right, to be held accountable by God, what happens? On that day, all the voices, right, will become humble for God. Meaning that all the voices are low now, right? People who are loud, people who are doing their thing, none of that is happening on that, this, on that day. And the verse says that there is such a clear and manifest, uh, you know, that God's authority is so clear that on that day, the only thing that you hear is a little bit of whispering here, whispering here and there, right? That means total manifestation of God's authority. So this is what this means. This some of it we see in this world. And of course, the rest of it, uh, especially with creatures and beings that have authority, they have free will. Um, we will see it uh, in the next world and on the Day of Judgment is where it will really uh, manifest itself. Uh, inshallah, next episode will continue from the line, which also has a very uh, delicate and beautiful meaning. We will continue from there, inshallah.